There's so much health advice out there, lots of different voices and opinions, but who can you trust? Trust the experts, the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them tough, intimate health questions so you get the answers you need. This is the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician. Hi, and thanks for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast. My name is Molly Schroeds, and I'll be your host today. Parenting can be hard. It can be difficult to establish routines and stick to them, even on the best of days. But during the pandemic, many of our best routines and parenting practices went right out the window. Today, we're joined by child psychologist, Dr. Kate Eshelman, to talk about how to reestablish routines within our families. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, starting off, can you just tell us a little bit about what types of patients you see and what brings them through your door? Sure. I primarily see children, adolescents, young adults, and their families that have a chronic or acute medical condition. Um, So they could come for lots of reasons, adjusting to new diagnosis or coping with illness, those types of things. Awesome. So let's dive right into this topic by talking a little bit about how parenting has changed during the pandemic. What kinds of things have you seen? What kinds of shifts? Sure. I think, you know, as you mentioned, people are having a really hard time creating and maintaining routines. You know, I think at this point we are far into this and people are getting fatigued and it's just hard to kind of stick to some of these things that we've outlined, um, the expectations that we've set up and, and plan to follow through with. And it's hard to do day after day. How do we talk to our kids about situations where we're asking them to follow certain rules and routines, but others might not? I think this is always present. You know, in parenting, we all have different styles and rules and expectations. But certainly in this context, um, you know, especially as we're kind of hopefully moving through it and there aren't as many kind of broader rules. Um, So kids are going to see this and they're going to ask questions. And I think, you know, depending on the age of the child, it's important to talk to them about kind of what your expectation is and why that is, you know, why you're asking them to do that, um, you know, to keep them safe, um, you know, to talk about the things that you think may happen if, if we don't follow these rules and expectations. And again, it's important to know the child because we want it to be a balance of giving them information and not creating um, undue worry or stress. Um, so kind of balancing that, you know, to help them understand your rules and to follow those rules while not make them overworried about those rules. Absolutely. Now, you know, during the pandemic, I think a lot of people were faced with a new family dynamic. Um, Everyone was home all the time. You know, you were trying to work and also teach and parent all at once. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about what happens when a family dynamic shifts like that? Sure, I think anytime there's a change, there's an adjustment. And I think the hard part about the pandemic is that in general, um, it was sudden, you know, it it wasn't planned, which makes it difficult to do. Um, It wasn't within our control and things kept changing so repeatedly. And so, you know, again, anytime there's a change, there's an adjustment, but these were things that were generally perceived to be negative, at least up front. Um, So as they're, you know, we're changing and adjusting to this new routine, it's kind of figuring out what those interactions look like, um, you know, how do we manage those? How do we interact with each other? How do we um, control our own emotions and manage those emotions in such an unknown and stressful situation? Which all of those things impact 
our interactions and our day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's been a stressful time for sure for many people. Mm-hmm. Now to get through this big shift, a lot of people had to relax the rules. You know, it was kind of a survival instinct, I think, for many people. Things like screen time and bedtimes weren't regulated the way they had been in the past. How have parents kind of worked to get these routines back or have those laxed routines kind of hung on? I think it's different for everybody. And I think it's definitely a struggle um, because, you know, I think now we're adjusting to kind of living in a new normal where we're kind of back to life and back to activities and that sort of thing. But those can abruptly change at any time. You know, if a child tests positive in school or you have to quarantine. Um, So these things that we've set up are, are adjusting. And so I think what's really helpful is to maintain expectations, even if those expectations look a little bit different than before. So for example, if a family previously had a a screen time rule about an hour a day or two hours a day, you know, maybe that time has increased, but it's still an expectation that it's three hours a day, not as much as you want, right? So maintaining some expectations, even if they look a little bit different. Yeah, screen time is always a tough one, right? Because you might think, oh man, they're super happy watching Baby Shark for several hours. I will just put Baby Shark on. Right. The other thing is is that um, screen time really allowed, you know, especially when we were really on shutdown, it allowed people to stay connected. You know, some of the older kids, maybe not the younger kids, but, you know, they they played with friends and they socialized through video games. And so in, in a way, it was maintaining that socialization. And now, even though they're back to school or back to activities, they're still accustomed to that and enjoy it and want it. Absolutely. Now, kind of stepping back for a second, can we talk a little bit about the importance of routines? particularly like bedtime and mealtime kind of routines? Absolutely. Almost everyone functions best with structure and routine. Um, So again, even if those are modified, it's important to have them. And this is really helpful for children as well as adults, but it it makes the day predictable. You know, they know what to expect. Um, They know, you know, what that in the morning we're going to wake up and eat breakfast and, you know, sit down together or whatever that routine looks like in your house, but they know what to expect. And especially in a time of such uncertainty as during the pandemic, some of that predictability is very important and kind of helps us all cope better. Right. Absolutely. Now, being in the house all day can mean snacking and eating out of boredom. How do we start getting the structure back when it comes to having more defined meal times and nutritious eating too? Sure. You know, I think a lot of times, um, as, as hard as this is, and we always recognize that, you know, these concepts are simple, but not easy. So really the way to do it is just to do it. Um, you kind of, the only way out is through, and so you just have to start doing it. And, you know, I think that, that some helpful tips may be sitting down on a Sunday and, and planning for meals, um, you know, having mostly nutritious snacks in the house. Um, you know, so if somebody's wandering to the kitchen and grabbing something, they only have healthy options. Or if you're going to have some of those less healthy options uh, in the house, which is, is fine, um, you know, that we put those away or they're not as easily accessible either for ourselves um, or for the kids. Now, do you recommend roping kids in on this planning process? Is that a helpful way to kind of get them engaged? I think it depends on the child. You know, if you have a child that's a picky eater or, you know, will only kind of accept or tolerate certain foods, and, and that can be within normal limits. Lots of kids are like that. You know, maybe asking them if you're going to go grocery shopping, are there things they'd like to have, you know, certain things they'd want to have for dinner, um, that sort of thing. 
you know, looking up recipes together, taking them shopping, those can all be very helpful activities. I think the thing to be careful with is if you're going to give them a choice, you know, is there something you'd like to have for dinner on Wednesday? You have to be ready, you know, to do what they say, right? So maybe um, depending on the child giving forced choices, would you prefer tacos or soup? Um, you know, that sort of thing, because anything we offer, for the most part, we have to be ready to follow through with. Gotcha. So giving them an A or a B option. Correct. Yeah. Or at least setting those guidelines before, you know, that yes, we can have, um, you can choose what we have, but I have to be able to make it after work or it has to cost less than, you know, we're not having surf and turf for dinner on Wednesday. Awesome. That feels a bit like a dangerous game, but yes. Um, wonderful. Now for school age children, you know, there's been so much change. They're in school, out of school, virtual learning, back in person. How do we kind of help them through all of this? I think we, we try and talk with them about what we expect. Um, and, but in, in that conversation, you know, acknowledging you're gonna be back in school this year. However, there might be times that you have to transition home. You know, so, so talking with them about what we expect while leaving room, especially in this situation, for some things to change. Um, and so to try and promote that flexibility um, kind of away from those expectations or away from the routine. So talking with them, telling them what you think is going to happen, uh, providing them opportunity to ask any questions or express any concerns, and to be able to kind of talk through it, really opening those lines of communication. What might you expect to see as kids adjust back? Um, what kinds of challenges could you expect? Yeah, we could see a lot of different changes in behaviors. Um, so especially I think for younger kids, seeing changes in things like separation in the morning, you know, after a child's been home or with a caregiver for a long time, um, you know, some of those goodbyes might be a little bit harder. You might see changes in sleep. You know, I think as, as mentioned before that a lot of routines were off. And so, you know, transitioning back to an earlier bedtime, or, you know, if kids were kind of having some slumber parties together in each other's rooms, now sleeping alone. Um, and just, you know, some of those, those changes and stressors that we're seeing impact kids in different ways. You might see changes in toileting habits, um, you know, for a child who at home could go to the bathroom anytime they wanted. And now, you know, in a structured setting in school, they have to kind of wait for a certain time. You could see some, some changes in, in toileting habits or um, accidents, those sorts of things. Um, you know, I think for older kids, um, you know, again, that sleep piece is very different. You know, if they slept in in the morning and then ate, um, you know, later or whenever they want, you know, if they're missing breakfast because they have to get out the door um, and then they're hungrier later in the day. Um, also with older kids, you could see some kind of just changes in, in mood and attitude. Um, you know, there was a lot of flexibility and freedom when everyone was on lockdown. And now there's a lot more kind of imposed structure and, and demands around school and that sort of thing. Um, and some kids just don't love that. And you might see that through their attitude and their behavior. And I imagine another part of this that we're going to want to be really having open lines of communication our, with our children about is um, social interactions. There's been a lot of isolation. You know, I know some children might have anxiety about being in large groups again. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. I think, you know, when we look back on how kind of last year and a half evolved, there was a lot of emphasis on staying apart and staying away and six feet, no large crowds and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, if you had the news on, things were pretty scary. And so it is a shift, I think, for adults and for children to, to kind of move from that mindset to, to reintegrating back into some more typical activities, but doing so safely. So I think what we want to do is provide a limited amount of reassurance. 
So, you know, talking with the kids, if they have concerns, you know, that we would not put you in this situation if we didn't think you were going to be safe. And, and kind of talking through some of the protections in place, you know, remember we're, everybody's wearing a mask, you know, having a plan in place. If they're not wearing a mask, you know, you can walk away, making sure that you wash hands, that sort of thing. So, you know, giving them the information about the protections that are in place. We want to talk through that, but I said a limited amount of reassurance because we don't want to over-focus on it. If a child is worried about it and we continue to talk about it, we allow their mind to stay on their worries. And so we want to give that limited reassurance and then kind of move on to the next thing with distraction. Um, talk about what they do want for dinner tonight or, you know, are they planning any um, activities for Halloween, that sort of thing. What are a few ways you can kind of start that conversation as a parent with a child who's kind of acting anxious, but maybe hasn't vocalized it yet? Sure. I, I think that a great way to start is, um, you know, kind of asking what's on your mind. And I think modeling that labeling of emotions, you know, you look like you're feeling a little nervous or scared. Is there something you're thinking about? You know, anything you'd like to talk to me about? And that's helpful, especially for younger kids, because they have to learn to identify and label those emotions. So I think modeling that starts that conversation. Um, I think it's also really important to talk about um, or consider that when there's something so big like a pandemic going on, naturally we think whatever they're thinking or feeling must be related to this. Whereas, you know, also kids are living normal lives. They still have to think about relationships and um, potentially sports and schoolwork and that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, we don't want to misinterpret their thoughts or feelings um, to be related to, to something that it's not. And we don't know that unless we ask. Now, we've all been very much together for a while now. Everyone's been right on top of each other in a lot of situations, everything kind of blending together. For parents, when should you step in to your child's life if they're dealing with something? Like many things, I think this is a little bit of a fine line. Um, so there is some, some value to having conflict um, as children and adults. You know, when that arises in childhood, it allows kids the opportunity to kind of um, be assertive, work through problem solving, and, and try and help navigate those situations. However, we don't want it to, to rise to the level of bullying, whether that's kind of physical or emotional. And so, you know, if you see that your child is very distressed, um, you know, certainly if there's a physical safety issue, there's, it, you should always intervene. Um, but if it's kind of more the, the verbal or emotional kind of unkindness, you know, talking to your child, um, kind of what was said, how does that make you feel? Maybe asking the child how he or she thinks you should respond also. Um, but I think if, if it's creating a lot of distress, then it probably is worth addressing. Absolutely. Now, one thing I often wonder about is um, children that were very, very young going into this that might not remember before, how have they interacted with this change in socialization? I think for children that are that young, um, for the most part, they have very little control over their environment and they don't know the difference anyway. Um, you know, so if we have a very young child that's starting, you know, preschool for the first time, um, you know, whether that's related to the pandemic or otherwise, they don't know the difference. So as adults, you know, making sure again that we're kind of treating this as naturally as we can um, to, to, to make that transition as natural as it can be. Wonderful. Now, back to the adults. Um, for those of, you know, for the many people out there that are working from home still or making the shift to maybe permanently work from home, how are, what are some ways that they can cope with this new world, this new reality of 
having children at home sometimes and working full time. Now, I think we recognize the ideal circumstances and then we recognize that it's very rarely ideal. But ideally, we would, you know, set that structure and that routine, you know, depending on the person, because everyone is a little bit different. But, you know, if, if you typically start your day with getting up, working out, taking a shower, getting dressed, you know, the things that you would do before you go into the office, ideally, we want to do that if you're going to work from home as well. So kind of setting that structure and that routine, you know, that um, you, you only go and eat lunch during the time that you would eat lunch anyway. You know, you're not wandering through the kitchen and snacking. So really trying to set your structure and your routine as it would have been for you before, assuming that before was a successful routine. Um, and then I think trying to find some time to get out of the house, whether it's to go for a walk, to go for a drive, you know, whatever it, it may be. But, you know, being at home in the same environment all day can be very difficult for people. And I think ultimately it feels like you never have any time to yourself. You know, the dishes are always ready to be put away. The laundry is always needing to be washed. And so finding a way to kind of separate, even if it's just for a few minutes, to step out of that environment and to change it up a little bit. That's really great advice. Now. One thing I was wondering too, do you have any other words of wisdom that you typically would say to someone if they come in and they're looking really frazzled and describing that kind of situation? Yeah, I think, you know, the goal is really to be kind to yourself. Um, you know, and there is a lot of emphasis on self-care, which is very important and it's, it's difficult to do. Um, so being kind to yourself and recognizing that, you know, that you have these goals that you'd like to achieve and you do as much as you can today, but it doesn't always have to be today. You know, that um, like the laundry will still be there, um, you know, that like working out is a, a good goal or, you know, getting some energy out or some physical activity. But today might not be the day. And I think it's also really important to think, um, you know, it's not an all or nothing thing. So maybe you'd like to go for a five mile run, um, but it doesn't have to be a five mile run. It could be a, a five minute run, you know. Um, so to do a little bit of something, you know, maybe you don't have to do all of the laundry tonight. But if you just throw in, you know, a load of wash and remember to change it to the dryer that's a success. Finding those little wins, huh? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So just as we wrap up here, you know, anxiety and long-term stress have been ever present during this time. How can parents help their children cope with this long-term stress? Sure. I think, again, trying to talk with them, assess how they're doing, um, you know, asking if they have questions or concerns. I think, and we know this, um, but, you know, parents taking care of themselves you know, if you're particularly stressed, um, you know, most of us are a little, um, we have less patience when we feel stressed. Um, and so if we're stressed, um, you know, that's going to impact the way that we interact with our children and, and probably create more stress. And so trying our best to kind of take care of ourselves, um, you know, those self-care activities that are helpful for us, you know, going for a walk, talking with a friend, that sort of thing, those can be helpful for the kids too. So in spite of these, you know, busy schedules or, or social restrictions, trying to promote your children's coping um, is very helpful also. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your insights, Dr. Eshelman. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. To learn more, please visit clevelandclinicchildrens.org slash behavioral health. Thank you for listening to Health Essentials, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic and Cleveland Clinic Children's. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest health tips, news, and information.